I've learned several things through my years, but I want to tell you one thing first. God is great. God is awesome. If you don't know that, maybe by the time you leave this morning, you will. Now, can you tell, can, if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a sentence to you, I want you to repeat after me, okay? I'm going to say, God is good, and you're going to answer all the time. And then I'm going to say all the time, and you're going to say what? God is good. Okay, so let's do this with some enthusiasm, with power, okay? So let's go. God is good? All the time. Okay, that was, that was decent. That was good. But you are still sounding a bit like Brazilian fans after the Belgium game. So let's, <laughs> let's go like an English, English fan now that we're going to win this thing, okay? So God is good. And all the time. God is good. So you've got that part. The next thing is that you need to smile, okay? Now imagine if I tell... Uh, if I tell uh, this young lady here, so God is really good. He's amazing. He changed my life. I used to be really sad. But after God came into my whoo, <laughs> she's going to believe me. No? Imagine if you go to someone when you want to date them and you're like, hi, I'd like to take you out. I'm really fun, but you're going to pay for the pizza. You know, like, what? what? <laughs> is that anything I have? No. So we have to smile. So I want you to look at whoever is beside you and give them a big smile, okay? After you give them a big smile, I want you to say something nice to them. If, if they're ugly, then say their shoe is nice. You know, find something good to say about the person beside you, okay? Now let's see a big smile, yeah? All right, so let's try again. One last time. God is good? And all the time? Now I'm going to teach it to you in Portuguese. Now, Portuguese is my native language. And you need to learn Portuguese if you're going to heaven because that's what we're going to speak up there. So you really need to learn this, okay? So it's, ki it's kind of easy. You're going to say, I'm going to say, Deus é bom. Okay? Deus é bom. Deus é bom means God is good. And then I'm going to say, o tempo todo. O tempo todo. And then, Deus é bom. So let's try it slowly. I'm going to say, Deus é bom. You say, Deus é bom, okay? Deus é bom. Deus é bom. Great. No accent. <laughs> okay, now, o tempo todo. O tempo todo. So I'm going to say, Deus é bom, and you're going to answer, o tempo todo. Then I say, o tempo todo, you say, Deus é bom. Let's try it slowly. Deus é bom o tempo todo. O tempo todo, Deus é bom. Again, Deus é bom o tempo todo. See, you're already speaking heavenly language and you don't even know. So, uh, with a lot of that, you know, jokes and things, but one thing that you need to understand, look what's written here. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Now, that is right there. And there's another verse uh, that I want you to read. Someone help me, please. If you can open to Psalm 16, verse 11. Someone just stand up and read it for me loudly. Psalm 16, verse 11. Can someone read that for me? Go ahead. If whoever found it, you can read it. Yeah, that's right. It says, what well, he read, because I have the microphone, that will help. It says, you will show me the path of life. 
In your presence is fullness of joy. Or you could say abundance of joy. At your right hand are pleasures for everyone. So in the presence, what do we have in the presence of God? Huh? No, not joy. Fullness of joy. Abundance of joy. It's more than joy. So how can we be in God's house, God's presence, and be like, you know, we have to have joy. So I want to show you a few things. I'm going to, you, you're going to need to help me first. And I'm going to show you that the Bible is true today. If you don't believe in the Bible, I'm a living proof that the Bible is true. Because in Ecclesiastes, the Old Testament, for, uh, chapter, I think it's chapter 11, verse 1. Yeah, chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Cast your seeds, or cast your bread, upon the water. And after many years, you will receive it back. It will return to you. What is that saying? Because in Egyptian times, people used to throw seeds on the Jordan River. The Jordan River would push out the seeds. And eventually, because of the water and the sand there, it would, fruit, it would be fruitful. So a lot of, uh, of plantations and things would be around the Jordan River. And the Jordan River was essential for the Egyptians in their plantations. Okay? Because they're in the desert, they need water. So, how is, okay, so what does that have to do with you, Lucas? Okay, like Pastor Phil said, I'm from Brazil, okay, and I lived in America 16 years before coming here, okay? So I moved to America when I was nine years old. How did I get to America? I was born in Rio, I was, I was raised in Sao Paulo, where my father was a pastor, missionary there, and then after, uh, when I was nine, we went to America. Let me tell you how we went to America. When my dad was between about 21 years old, 20, 21 years old, he was in seminary, and there was a gentleman there, my father was single at this time, and there was another seminary student that he was married and he had a daughter, okay? And my father, every weekend, he worked in a church doing like an internship, and the church gave them like just some, like a, like a help, you know, like a bursary or something like that, just to kind of, for him to pay his way, uh, just with some extra money. So my father lived in the seminary, he ate at the seminary, and he was single. And he saw that this gentleman that was married, had a daughter, was struggling financially. So what my dad did, they, they didn't know each other very well, they were just getting to know one another. He went to this guy, and he took the check that he got from the church, and he gave to this guy. And he said, listen, and, in, and then he told my father, what are you doing? He's like, no, you can have this money from the church. He's like, why? He's like, because you're married, you have a daughter, you need it more than I do. And then my father did this for one whole year. Every single check he got, he gave to this man. They became really close friends. To make a long story short, this guy became the president of a big church in Brazil. And the, at the time, they didn't have a seminary in Brazil. The best seminary they had for this denom denomination was in Tennessee in America. This gentleman that was the president of the church, that was my father's friend, went to America to do a master's and then a doctor's degree. When he was there, they said to him, we really liked what God is doing in Brazil. And then he said, what can we do for you? He said, I want you to bring a man to this school. Who? Silmar Coelho, my father. So because of a seed, my father went to America. Today I speak English. My brother speaks English. I have an American education. My kids are here today. Now, who sent missionaries to America? England, right? Who sent missionaries to Brazil? England. And who sent, how did I become a Christian? My father's great-grandfather was evangelized by an American missionary that eventually came from England. And today, God is returning the seed to you to speak in an English church. <laughs> and I am a fifth-generation Christian. 
and my sons are sixth generation Christian, my wife, fourth generation Christian, all because of missionaries that came eventually from here. And now God is returning people here. Okay? So I'm, I want to speak to you about how, what God is doing. Okay? So first, I want you to help me. I'm going to interact with you a little bit. So we have some kids here. So I'm going to sing with you a, a few quick songs that I want you to help me with. Okay? So I'm going to say to you, uh, I'm going to sing and you're going to respond. Okay? It's very easy. This song you might have already heard. It goes like this. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. Amen. Right? There, there are a few saved people here, but we have a lot of work to do in the back. But okay, so now that you know, just repeat, okay? All you're going to do is repeat. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. So what are you going to say? If you're saved, amen. amen. Okay, but say it like you're saved. Okay, so if you're saved and you know it, say amen. amen. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. amen. If you're saved and you know it and you're not afraid to show it, if you're saved and you know it, say amen. Amen. If you're saved, then you know it, clap your hands. If you're saved, then you know it, clap your hands. If you're saved, then you know it, and you're not afraid to show it. If you're saved, then you know it, clap your hands. If you're saved, then you know it, stomp your feet. If you're saved, then you know it, stomp your feet. If you're saved, then you know it, and you're not afraid to show it. If you're saved, then you know it, stomp your feet. If you're saved, then you know it, do all three. Oh, no, okay, okay, good, 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 but relax. If you try to do all at the same time, only the women are probably going to be able to do that. So let's try one at a time. Amen. Clap your hands. Stomp your feet. Okay? So if you're saved, then you know it. Do all three. Amen. If you're saved, then you know it. Do all three. Amen. If you're saved, then you know it. And you're not afraid to show it. If you're saved, then you know it. Do all three. Amen. All right. Now, I want to teach you another song my father taught me. Okay, so it goes like this. Oh, I am so happy. I am so happy to have Jesus. I'm so happy. I am so happy to have Jesus. Oh, yeah, I am so happy to have Jesus. Oh, yeah, I am so happy to have Jesus. That's it. Easy? Can you help me? Let's see. Go. Oh, I am so happy. I am so happy to have Jesus. I'm so happy. I am so happy to have Jesus. Oh, yeah, I am so happy to have Jesus. Oh, yeah, I am so happy to have Jesus. Now we're going to sing like this. Can you move like this? I know it's warm, but just do this with me. Okay, right, left, right, left. And we're smiling. Oh, I am so happy. I am so happy to have Jesus. I'm so happy. I am so happy to have Jesus. Oh, yeah, I am so happy to have Jesus. Ah, yeah, I am so happy to have Jesus. Okay? Now, one last thing I'm going to sing to you before I go into the Word. This song is, a, in a lot of people think of Brazil as samba, you know? We have samba and carnival, all this stuff. So I'm going to sing a samba-style Christian song, okay? That goes like this. Uh, a samba would sound, I'm not great at samba, okay? So bear with me. But a samba would sound like... Okay, it has like a, a sound like this. We need drums. But next time, Josh and I will practice this, and he'll be assembling the drums, and we'll do that, okay? But basically, you, all you're going to, I'm going to tell you a story, okay? It goes like this. Only the power of God 
can change your life. The proof that I give you is that he changed mine, he changed mine. All I know is I am happy serving the Lord. He's made me into someone new, I am new. I'm born again because of his power, only the power of God can change your life. The proof that I give you is that he changed mine, he changed mine. All I know is I am happy serving the Lord. He's made me into someone new. I'm brand new. I'm born again. Only the power. <laughs> okay? That's kind of like a summer song. Now, who, who am I singing this song to? Let's see how you guys, if you guys are in tune. Who am I singing to? Huh? To God. Okay. Good. I'm praising God, but I'm not singing to Jesus. Okay? Because I'm worshiping God, but I'm not singing to Him. Because imagine if Jesus was here, and I said, Jesus, only the power of God can change your life. Like, Jesus doesn't need to be changed. He's the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Okay, so I'm singing to you. I'm test- giving a testimony of God, what He has done in my life. So today, that's what we're going to speak about. I'm going to s- throw a few verses at you, and I know we don't have so much time, so I'm going to speak using my phone here to help me. You don't need to open your Bibles everywhere I go. Okay, I'm going to go to a few verses. I'll tell you where they are if you want notes, but you don't need to go there. Now, I want to ask you a quick question. What is the most important decision in life? Think for a second. What is the most important decision that you will ever have to take in your life, in your lifetime? Think for a moment before you answer. To help you reach that, this, that the idea, I'm going to tell you what the second most important decision is. Okay? The second most important decision in life is deciding who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Okay? Because when you get married, what do we say? Until death do us part. One time, a, a couple, they were having problems, and they came to a pastor, and they said, Pastor, I want to divorce him. I want to divorce my wife. Are you sure? He's like, so what do you want me to do? Pray for me. Are you sure? He's like, yeah, pray for me, because I need, that's it. I'm decided I need to divorce my wife. So he goes, okay. Kneel down. He put his hand over the guy. He said, God, Give this man a heart attack right now, instantly. What are you doing, Pastor? Well, the Bible says, till death do us part. So if you want to be rid of your wife, maybe you need to die. He's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll keep her. You know? <laughs> so the, the second most important decision is who you're going to spend the rest of your life with on earth. Because imagine if you choose badly and you're stuck with somebody really ugly, really annoying, really, and that doesn't let you do anything, it's hard. Right? In, Amer- in England, they have the, what do you call that, the sling that they have here. The, like, your wife is trouble and strife. The cognitive, how do you say that? Yeah, yeah, like, so, wife means trouble and strife. So if I go, have you met my troubles? Who am I talking to about? My wife, right? I don't say that because I'm in, I don't want to get hit back home. But in America, they call it the old ball and chain, you know. So you don't want to be stuck with someone for the rest of your life that you don't want to be with. 
But we're not going to talk about the second choice. We're going to talk about the first one. If it's important for you to know where you're going to sp who you're going to spend the rest of your life with, how much more important is to know who and where you're going to spend eternity? Okay? So the most important decision you ever d make in your life is who I'm going to spend eternity with, where I'm going to spend eternity with. So we're going to talk about that today. Now, I ask you, if you knew you were going to die, if you knew that, wouldn't you do something or everything in your power, in your financial power, in, your, in the time that you knew you had left, wouldn't you do everything to try to change that? When we see movies about when somebody gets some bad news or they can go back in time to change things, what do they do? They're always trying to prevent that bad event or death from happening. So if you knew you were going to die, you would do everything in your power to try to stop it. Now, we have these kids, these children that are stuck in the cave in Thailand, right? Have you heard this news? So they're stuck there. What is the Thailand people doing? They're trying everything to save this, this child, these children. So much so that one rescuer already died. Somebody already gave their lives in just trying to save them. Okay, so we know that you know that if you knew you were going to die, you would do everything you could. If you were diagnosed with a disease, you would try everything. You would pay whatever doctor. You would start praying. You would come close. You would do anything to try to save your life. So, I have some bad news and some good news for you this morning. Okay, the bad news is this. You're going to die. <laughs> what do you mean? We had a, a, can, a candid camera, one of those hidden camera shows in Brazil. And this guy, he, he got on the wall like this, and he looked like a thief. You know, he looked like a thief, and he would be like this. And then when somebody came walking by, he'd be like, you're going to die, man. And like, please, please don't shoot. Don't do anything. Please take my wallet. Take my money. He's like, why? You, are you immortal? You're going to die one day. And the guy would get really mad, you know, because it was just a joke. But why am I saying you're going to die? Because that's life. That's going to happen. And the Bible says this. Look what, what it says. In Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So at the same time that I have bad news that eventually we're all going to die. I have good news. I know how to prevent that. I know how you can live on. I know how you can be saved. I know the answer. And even better news, it's free. You don't have to pay anything. But I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Uh, in John 3.16, what does it say? Do you know off your head? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not die, but will have eternal life. So we have this news. I don't know if you're here this morning, we've been singing songs about Jesus, about, you know, like uh, there's no other name under heaven. And you're singing this stuff and you may not understand what's going on. But this morning you will. God loved you so much that he gave his son. Now, sin is like, what we could say, is like an epidemic. It's all around the world. It's all over it. Okay? And I'll explain a bit what is sin in a second. But sin is all around us. And Jesus is the, not only the cure, but he's also the vaccine against, it, against sin. He can prevent you from sinning. He can keep you away from that. He can give you new direction in your life. 
Okay? In Acts 4.12, which what we sing, says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's no other name. Now, when you're inside of an airplane, I don't know if you've flown before, and then maybe you're here this morning, you're like, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. That's your choice. Fine. And then you say, I don't know if all this stuff is true. I don't know if we can really talk about this stuff. What name do you call when the plane goes, you go, oh my God! You know, but you don't believe in God. Jesus, help me! But you don't believe in Jesus. But that's the first name that comes to mind, isn't it? When there are signs of trouble. And not only that, what is the last prayer that Jesus prays before he goes to the cross? Obviously, I can't tell you everything about Jesus this morning. But I can tell you a little bit for you to learn. The last prayer was when Jesus was just before the cross. He asked his disciples to help him pray. And he says, please pray. I'm, I'm nervous. I am kind of in depression even. I'm going through this stuff. I don't know what's going to happen. And how I know what's going to happen, but I don't really want to face it. And he, he went to pray. And he goes to God, Father, everything is possible to you. So please, if you can, take the cross from me. I don't want to face that. Lord, you know everything. You can do anything. So if you can, please spare me from the cross. I don't want to be whipped, be nails through my hands, crown of thorns in my head, be spared on, be mocked, be betrayed. I don't want to go through all that. But not my will, not what I want to do, but what you want to do. So that teaches us something. Your, the world tells us, follow your heart. God tells us, direct your heart. The, word says, the world says, do anything that feels good. If it feels good, it's all right. Do what you want. But by, God says, no, no. The importance is not do what you want and what your heart says. It's to obey what God says for you. Jesus says, not my will, but yours. Now, look what's going on here. What is Jesus really saying when he's praying this? He's saying, God, if there's any other way that Lucas can be saved, if there's any other way that Leticia can be saved, that Leah can be saved, that Phil can be saved, that Mark can be saved, that Ian can be saved, that Judith can be saved, any other way, then take the cross from me. If they can buy their way through it, let's do that. If they can earn it, let's do that. I don't want to go to the cross. But what was the answer? There's no other way. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes through God except through me. Now, he gave his life for you. Now, I want to show you something. I encourage you. First is this. Uh, the Bible in Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. So what I want you to leave here this morning is with a taste. Maybe you are unsure. I don't, I don't know anyone in this church except a few people in the leadership. Okay? So everybody's new to me. I don't know if you're here, if you're a member, if you're visiting, if you're a Christian, if you're not. But this is what God put in my heart to speak this morning. So I'm going to speak it to you. So I tell you, just taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, uh, the Bible, I, this week, last week I spoke with somebody in my job. And we, the conversation about God came up. And she said, I don't know how people, she was, she's young, she's 20. And she said, I don't know how people can just even talk about this stuff or even believe this. What if somebody just made all this up? Somebody just wrote the Bible. 
So she doesn't know how inaccurate she is because the Bible is not one book. It's a library. It's 66 books with over 40 authors. So it's not just one person who wrote it. It's been written for over 1,500 years. It's a compilation that has more proof of its uh, truth than any other book ever written. Historical book. We have so much proof. Atheist scholars have proof that Jesus existed, that he was born, that he died for crucifixion. And said, oh, okay, we know that Jesus was born, he died in crucifixion. But what about him being risen again? There's over 500 eyewitnesses that, that show uh, that we have written accounts about these eyewitnesses that Jesus rose from the dead. But even before all that, I tell you this. What's the best-selling book of all time? The Bible. Now, don't you think if a book is being sold, number one book every single year in the world for over 2,000 years, don't you think you should at least look at it? And then you say, I, I don't believe in Jesus. This is all, you know, it's a hoax. And then I say, what year are we in? What's today? What's the year? 2000 what? Ah, 2018. 2018 what? Huh? A.D. Right? What is A.D.? It means after Jesus' birth. So this man divided history. There is time B.C., before his birth, and A.D., after his birth. Don't you think that a man who divided history is worth looking into? Ah, but that's Roman calendar. Okay, then why is it not Caesar A.D.? but a Jewish carpenter A.D. Makes no sense, right? Now I ask you one more thing. Would you die for, uh, who would you die for? Someone you love so much that you would die for. Is there anyone in this world that you would give your life for? You would die for this person. If somebody said, okay, either you give me your life or I'm going to take theirs. Is there anyone that you would die for? Don't look at your wife or husband right now. Okay? <laughs> Maybe you say, okay, I'd die for my wife. Maybe you would say, I would die for my kids, which is already a huge thing. But now let me ask you something else. Is there anyone in the world that you love so much that you would give your kid's life to die for theirs? Because that's what God did. Jesus gave his life, and God gave his only son, so you may have a chance. Now, would you give your son or daughter in somebody else's place not for certainty, but for a chance. Because you still have to accept it. God doesn't force anything down your throat. That's what the gospel is. It's not religion. It's a message that can change your life. It's having Jesus every day in your life with you. And there's so much more to when you, when you say these things. There's so much more to God than just coming to church. Some people think, oh... Uh, Christianity is just a bunch of rules. It's not. They are wrong. They have no idea what it is. They are thinking of religion. It's not religion. Jesus never taught religion. He taught us how to live a better life. Okay? And that, I'm new here. I'm arriving here with my family. But that is my passion. That is the, I have the best message in the world. God gives me, the Bible says that I have peace that transcends all understanding. Now, I'm a crazy soccer fan. And I'm sitting here today or football fan. I'm, I'm standing here today full of joy after Brazil lost. How? Because <laughs> my joy is not in Brazilian football. It's in God. I've had all the struggles you have, I have. I've had financial struggles. 
Sometimes we have quarrels at home. Sometimes we disagree. My kids are nonstop all the time. I'm working before this job. I'm working 61 hours a week. And when I get home, so I'm going to rest. Daddy, let's jump on the trampoline. He's like, that's what I get when I get home. And I'm still full of joy. Why? Where does that come from? You know, he gives me joy. He gives me wisdom. He gives me direction. Look, when you take a seed and you plant it somewhere, what happens? We have, it takes some time, right? But that seed grows into a tree, maybe a huge tree full of fruits. With the gospel, it's the same thing. This morning, I'm telling you about God's presence, about Jesus in your life. If you, this morning, you say, Jesus, oh, this guy's crazy, but I've thought about this stuff before. I've had my own questions. I've questioned if God exists. I've questioned everything. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. God, if you're good, if you're out there, if you really exist, if Jesus really lived, if he really died for me, if he gave me his life, I want to know. So how do I do that? What do I need to do? If you just say to Jesus, Jesus, I want to know. Show me. Reveal yourself to me. He will. But you have to say that. You have to take the step. And when you accept Jesus, when you profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that you want him to guide your life, his presence will come into your life. And then you say, yeah, but I've never experienced this. That's not true. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, you have experienced God in one way or another. Because God, when he created you, he imprinted in you morals. What are morals? How does a little, little baby, when they're just learning... You don't even, you, they haven't even had time to be shaped by our society and environment. And they already know what's right and wrong. They know. You that have kids, you know that your kid's looking at you because he knows what he's going to do is wrong. He knows that to hit another child is wrong. How do we have that? How do you, without having God's presence, know that you can't go and do something completely wrong? You have that inside you. God put it there when he made you. Now, this seed, when you accept Jesus, and I want to finish with this. It'll grow because there's so much more to having God in our lives than coming to Sunday morning service, than just reading the Bible. The Bible is a book that will transform your life. Some people say, oh, this is a lie. What a blessed lie because this lie can change your marriage, can change your personality, can change the way you think, can make you a better person, a better man, a better parent, a better son, a better worker, a better citizen. It can do everything. Imagine if it was true. <laughs> And then some people say, oh, it's a lie. Yeah, but what have you got to lose to take a taste, to try? You have nothing to lose and you have everything to gain. So this morning, in Galatians 5.22 says, when we have God's presence, we call you know, the Christian word or the biblical word, we say His Spirit or the Holy Spirit or God's Spirit, God's presence. So maybe you never heard this stuff. You know, what is the Spirit? What are you talking about? Spirit, Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. What? That is nothing but the presence of God in our lives. And when we say, Jesus, you are Lord. The Bible says, if you say with your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord, you are saved. If you believe in your heart that He lived, He died, and He rose for you, you are saved. That's in the Bible. So that's all it takes. You say, Jesus, you are Lord. And then the presence of God, you say, God, I want your presence in my life. I want you to be in my life. I want you to guide me. And then he comes. When he comes, that's the seed. That's the presence of God. And the fruits of this seed, it says in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is this. Look at what the fruit of God is in your life. Love, joy, peace, self-control, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. What is bad about having God's presence in our life? Who doesn't want love? 
Who doesn't want to be full of joy, no matter the circumstance? Who doesn't want to live in peace? Now, some people have money. We have rich people. But they go and kill themselves. Do they have peace? Michael Jackson, look what happened to him. He had everything. How can he end up that way? Robin Williams, that American actor, funny guy. Uh, look what happened to him. So many stars, drunk on drugs. Why? Because they're all seeking the same thing. We all have an emptiness inside our lives that is only God's place, only He can fulfill. So we have this emptiness, the size of God inside of us. So I tell you this morning, taste and see that God is good. Once you say this to Him, you will have love, you will have joy, you will have peace, you will have self-control, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I'll give you one last example, then I'll stop. When I'm with my wife, like I said, we are a regular couple, so we have problems. There are times when she'll do something that in my mind, maybe I'm even right. You know, maybe I'm right. And I'm like, you know what? She's wrong. She's crazy. She's being stubborn. She needs to stop that. I'm working like crazy. And then she's, no, 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 this time, no, no, no. This time she's, and she needs to learn. And then I get angry. You know, like every guy, we are stubborn. And we're, no, no, she needs to learn. She needs to know who she's dealing with. She needs to know she's wrong. She needs to say, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And then I start going crazy, you know, going off. And then there's a little voice that comes within me. He says, hey, what are you doing? You are, you know, you are going all right. You are, you know what? You are right. She's wrong. You're right. But after you've done all this mess, now you are wrong. And you're going to, hate to have to go to her and say, love, forgive me. I'm sorry for something she is wrong about. Because you messed up. Now tell me, what religion will do that to a man? The hardest thing for a man to say is, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, and I love you. And God's presence in me will take me to my wife when she's wrong, for me to say I'm sorry and to reconcile something that she messed up in the first place. Because I have his presence. And vice versa. He does the same thing to me, to her. There was a time where I messed up bad. And I didn't know how to confess to her. I didn't know what to say to her. I didn't know how to approach her. I was sweating, you know. And I was going to God and praying, oh, God, I need to tell her this. And then, oh, I need to tell her this. And then what I started doing, I said, I started praying for God to give me the courage and the opportunity to approach her. And for God to start working in her heart for her to forgive me. And then what happened? When I took the courage in the moment to go, she had already forgiven me. Because God was already doing the work in her. Because He's present in her heart. So how can you live without His presence? This morning, that's what I want you to live. Live here thinking. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm going to read these last verses and we'll pray. Okay? Because maybe you're thinking, okay, I've heard about God's presence, how great He is. He brings joy, He brings peace, all this stuff. I'm really confused, but I want to taste. How can I taste God? What do I must do? Is it hard? Is it complicated? I'll simplify as much as I can. I'll give you four quick verses that are all in Romans. In Romans 10, this goes from verse 9 to 13, but, but we're going to skip 12. So verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. Declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that He, ra he was raised from the dead. You're saved. Romans 10, 10 says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess in your faith, your faith and you are saved. This morning, all I'm doing is professing my faith. I'm just sharing with you what I believe, what God's doing in my life. That's professing. Romans verse 11 says, same chapter, verse 11. 
Anyone who believes in, in Jesus will never be put to shame. Verse 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And then you're saying, yeah, but I've messed up. You talked about divorce. I'm on my fourth marriage. I've messed up. I've, I've lived a life that you don't even know about. You don't know what my past is like. I'm, not, I'm unworthy. It doesn't say anything about being worthy. It says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In the cross, Jesus is there. In the middle, there are two, three crosses. Jesus is in the middle. There are two guys beside him that are, that are criminals. One decides to mock Jesus. The other one says, Lord, he didn't know these verses. He didn't know the Bible. He didn't know the gospel. He didn't know anything. All he said is, Lord, I see that you are God. Remember me when you go into your kingdom. Jesus said, with today you will be with me in paradise. Because he acknowledged Jesus. And he called on his name. He fulfilled what the Bible says. And he was saved. Now, what's that guy's past? A criminal. The last minute he was saved. That's all it takes. Let's stand up together. I'd like to pray for, for us this morning before we finish. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And just listen to me for just a second as we pray, okay? Like I said, I have no idea what your history is. I don't know what you're doing here. I don't know who brought you here this morning. I don't know how you arrived here. But that's the message that God spoke through us this morning. You saw, I didn't speak to Pastor Phil about the songs, about what I was going to speak. And all the songs matched the word that I spoke about. So I know it's God's presence that directed this this morning. So if you're here this morning, and I don't know, maybe you're here full of questions, okay? As we pray, I want to give you the opportunity to, to say, Jesus, I want to taste you. So in your own quiet, I'm not going to call you forward. You're not going to have to say anything. I just want you in your own heart to speak to God. And as I, as I pray, if you're doing this prayer for the first time, maybe uh, you will never be the same after this morning. Because if you believe, you will never be the same. If you don't believe, you'll never be the same because you've been confronted with God's truth. So, as I pray, I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to give the opportunity for you to, to say a prayer that will bring God into your life. Okay? To taste, like I said. And I'm going to ask everyone to join me. If you want, as I pray, you will repeat after me when I say so. I'm going to pray first, and then when I say repeat after me, you can, everyone, even if you're saved, even if you're a pastor, it doesn't matter. I want you to repeat after me because there are people here that are going to pray this for the first time and they don't want to pray this alone. So it gives them a bit of confidence if you pray together. Okay? And then that's it. Then we'll, I'll pass it on to Pastor Few and the service will be finished. Okay? So let's pray. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Father God, we are here this morning in your presence. I know that this is your house. I know that your presence is, is filled this place. Uh, there are people here that are full of your presence. Uh, when I arrived here, your presence arrived with me because you are with me wherever I go. In your spirit, we can speak the same language even though we have people of different nationalities here. It doesn't matter where we are from. When we are in your presence, we feel at home. When we are in your house, we know your spirit. So this morning I pray, Father, there may be people here that have never heard your message, that don't know anything about the Bible, that don't know anything about your truth, that don't know anything what it is to live with God in our hearts. 
Father, reveal yourself to them. Uh, show them your joy. Show them your peace. Answer their questions. Direct their hearts. Direct their mind. Uh, put people around them that can help them understand. Help, give them courage to ask questions this morning and, and throughout uh, the week so that they may know you and continue to get to know you and, and, and understand and taste how great it is to live with your presence in our lives. So as we pray now, I want you to repeat after me. And if, uh, if you've never prayed this prayer, it's okay. Just repeat what I say. Uh, if you believe in your heart, then you're saved. Uh, you're going to say like this. Repeat after me. Father, go ahead. You can, you can say it. Father, this morning, I heard your message. And I want to taste and see that God is good. So please, Father, come into my life. I believe you lived. I believe you died. I believe you rose again. I have many questions, but I know you can answer them. Um, direct my life, and I, you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's all it takes. Now, I don't know if you prayed this for the first time. If you did and you believe, then uh, come. you can speak to any one of us. You can speak to me. I'm going to be around now. I'm going to be here all the time. The pastor, the teams, whoever brought you, your friends, look up online. You can find stuff about the Bible. There are great churches everywhere. But don't live life without God's presence. Amen? He is the best answer and the best thing that will ever happen to you. Amen? Pastor Phil, please.